Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, September 29th. Mayor Jyoti Gondek is calling for more financial support from the provincial government to help fund municipal infrastructure. We hear details on her meetings earlier this week at the Alberta Municipalities Convention. Then we focus on the second annual Truth and Reconciliation Day that's taking place Saturday. We examine the role Indigenous tourism plays in promoting, educating and healing with Keith Henry, President and CEO of the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. And finally, it's a new and delicious solution to dinner. We catch up with J.P. Gerritsen, Manager of Culinary Programs at the Blue Flame Kitchen, for details on their new line of frozen gourmet dishes that were inspired by good old-fashioned home cooking. According to Mayor Jyoti Gondek, Calgary needs more financial support from the province in order to fund and maintain municipal infrastructure projects. While well, fresh off her trip to Edmonton for the Alberta Municipalities Annual Convention, we are joined once again this morning. Back with us, Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning, Madam Mayor. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. It's good to be here. I want to talk to you about that. Obviously, it's important before we get to that, though, tomorrow, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Talk to us about the importance uh, that it is for you personally, but what the city is going to be doing in order to recognize this day. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, too. It's a pretty significant day. It's an opportunity for us to not only recognize um, our insured day, but also recommit on our own personal journey towards truth and reconciliation. Uh, the city will be hosting... Um, an event at uh, Fort Calgary that everyone is welcome to join in on. Um, it's the ability to understand what we have to do in order to work with Indigenous communities and to recognize that, you know, the horrors that were practiced when children were taken from their homes and put into residential schools, those are an awful part of our history that we need to remember because we can't repeat the mistakes of the past. All right. You know, and as far as it's interesting because we have an opportunity here, Madam Mayor, because it is such a new observance for us that we can create something that's appropriate, that is educational and that all Calgarians can access. You think that's one of the bonuses of uh, just having a, a couple now of these Truth and Reconciliation Days? Absolutely. And you know what? The number of Calgarians that come out to take part and the number of people that I speak with who say, you know, I, I didn't know until the news started coming out in 2021 and I've taken the time to learn more and I've spent more time at Indigenous events and I'm grateful that I now have this knowledge. That's important. Mm -hmm. It's uh, significant not only for all of us, but it's an important way to show allyship with Indigenous communities. And Mayor, can I ask you, um, that the display down at City Hall of the children's shoes, there was supposed to be something permanent coming in that sense, wasn't there, for the City of Calgary? Absolutely, and I'm really hoping that I'm going to be able to make that announcement tomorrow. So stay tuned. We, we should be able to announce where the permanent site is going to be. Wonderful. All right. Uh, besides maybe hitting the mall, I know that, you know, there's not much of an agenda to go to Edmonton. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek, I was born there. Uh, but you were in Edmonton. Can you tell us about your meeting with your municipal counterparts, what the main takeaway was for the city of Calgary? Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, I want to thank all of the members of council and various supportive organizations that attended Alberta municipalities this year. There was a strong showing. I really want to thank um, Mayor of St. Albert, Kathy Heron, who's the president of Alberta municipalities, for really taking charge and leading us in making a call to the provincial government to reinstate funding for infrastructure the way we used to have it. She was, she's done a lot of work together with Alberta municipalities to demonstrate that in around the 2011-2012 period, uh, provincial capital funding for municipalities was about 3.7 provincial expenditures. 
this year, it's dropped to 1%. It might go up to 1.2 next year, but if they were able to reinstate that 3.7, then the local government fiscal framework would be $2.4 billion. Right now it's not, it's only $722 million. So the ask was to bump it up to 1.75 to make sure that municipalities throughout this province are actually able to fund the critical infrastructure projects that right now we are funding on our own. Particularly housing, correct? Oh, absolutely. Housing is uh, a big issue for municipalities. It has been uh, decades of downloading of responsibility from both federal and provincial governments. And you can see that we passed our housing strategy a couple of weeks ago. The city is absolutely committed to making sure our budget reflects our commitment to all Calgarians being housed with dignity. We just need our provincial and federal partners to step up and do the same. Now, and this is interesting because I think that outside looking in, you think municipalities, you know, are fighting for your own city. But this really is, and it becomes a, a team, doesn't it? Because the, the strength in numbers cannot be ignored. Yeah, Andy, it's, it's a team in like a dual sense, I would say. We are a team at Alberta Municipalities. And when we have a common issue, we stand up with each other and for each other. And the resolution to ask for increased funding yesterday passed with a 98% vote. So, you know, we're all on the same page. The other team that needs to work stronger together is the provincial, federal, municipal partnership that really delivers on the infrastructure projects that we have at uh, the local level. Crucial time for sure for everybody, and we need to put all aside and, and try to work together, right? It's so important. Uh, we wanted to ask you, Mary, because Andy and I have been having this conversation uh, as parents and you as a mom. We're curious as to your thoughts on this. And it, I mean, it, you know, obviously we none of us have any say in how this works, but we used to, all of us, when we were kids, go to school on Remembrance Day. It was a day for us to learn, to understand. And I think that's why we have such a, you know, a, a good grasp of what exactly happened happened during World War, World War II, for example. Um, and we don't do that anymore. The kids have Remembrance Day off. Same with the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Doesn't it make more sense that it would be a day we should, our kids particularly, should be in school so that they can learn and, and, and bring home more knowledge to the parents, perhaps, even beyond that? You know, you raise a really good point, Sue, and I guess there's two ways to look at it. There are those that say, when it's a National Day of Observance, we need to be able to take the time to, you know, go to the Legion or to go to whatever events might be planned. And, you know, parents like you and I, we've always exposed our kids to this and said, this is an important day and this is why it's significant. Same thing goes for National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. That's what many people will argue. And also because it's an observance, you know, to require people to work or go to school, that becomes tricky. But I do agree with what you're saying. And I think absolutely part of the curriculum should be ensuring that knowledge is passed down to younger generations about what we're honoring and why we're honoring it. So, you know, I, I don't have the education mandate in my jurisdiction, yeah, yeah. but I agree that we need to poke that bear. Yeah, good. And last but not least, it's National Coffee Day, Madam <laughs> Mayor. What, how do you like your coffee? Are you a coffee aficionado? Do you enjoy more than one cup a day? You know what? This is an interesting question this year. I stopped drinking coffee in April just to see if I could. What? And apparently I can. I used to have, you know, one cup, maybe two cups a day, cream and sugar. Um, but I haven't had coffee in months. And I now have peppermint tea with honey every day. So uh, is there caffeine in peppermint tea? No. There is not. So you have no caffeine in you? I am caffeine free. How do you get up every day? Yeah. How do you mare? Do you know why 
I'm able to get up every day because I'm a public servant in the greatest city in the world. Mm. That's how I get up. Every That's day. a good answer. That's really good. <laughs> I need caffeine. Yeah, I think this city's great too, but I need caffeine. I was going to say, what kind of an excuse? <laughs> well, she's got. She nailed it. That's the right answer. Yeah. Well, well uh, done. You have won the debate. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we'll raise a peppermint tea to mm-hmm. you. And, with honey. Uh, with, with, oh, Absolutely. With honey. I yeah. don't know if I want And he's not sweet enough. He Nevertheless, needs the honey, too. <laughs> uh, we'll do that. And uh, thanks for your time again on another Friday morning. Have a great weekend, Madam Mayor. Thank you. And for anyone that went to the Iron Maiden concert last night, uh, you're probably having some trouble waking up. But, boy, it was a great show. So have a great weekend, everyone. Rock on. Thanks, Mayor. That's Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. What role can tourism play in building bridges and fostering cultural understanding with Canada's Indigenous community? Joining us to talk about it ahead of tomorrow's National Day of Truth and Reconciliation is Keith Henry, President and CEO of the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. Morning, Keith. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me this morning. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization, Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada? What kind of things do you focus on then? Yeah, we're a national nonprofit uh, representing Indigenous tourism businesses across the country. There's about 1,900 Indigenous-owned and operated businesses in the tourism uh, industry, hotels, restaurants, cultural centers, festivals and events. And our job is primarily to make sure we're promoting Indigenous tourism in an authentic way. So, you know, it's right across from Alberta to every province and territory. And we help market and promote with Destination Canada internationally, and we do a lot of domestic marketing across Canada to make sure Canadians know where to find Indigenous experiences. What's interesting to me, Keith, is is the fact that you can learn about the Indigenous Indigenous experience. You can, you know, maybe observe Truth and Reconciliation Day by a textbook or looking at something online. But does the tourism industry have a greater impact, do you think, on the uh, knowledge and learning because it's tangible, because it's an experience? Absolutely. I think many communities and and Indigenous entrepreneurs are providing Canadians one of the most effective ways to support reconciliation. You know, I know tomorrow, we all know tomorrow, you know, this weekend is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, but people, it's clear the very large majority of us throughout Canada want to see reconciliation happen. And I think you do that by visiting a cultural centre, you do that by purchasing authentic Indigenous art, you do that by supporting our business community in a way that, that creates, you know, other opportunities to keep the culture alive. And I and I know it's it's not meant to be a commercialization or just about dollars and cents, but but economic reconciliation is part of what we need to do in this country. And if we want indigenous cultures, whether it's First Nation, Metis or Inuit to survive, we do need business support. And I think we just feel that indigenous tourism is reconciliation in action. Can you talk to us a little bit, Keith, about some of the other ways that we can be allies throughout the year as non-Indigenous people? Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think, you know, uh, you know, in Calgary, obviously, there there's some great facilities there and there's some great experiences. You know, Satina Nation, you know, part of Treaty 7 has done an amazing job building Indigenous businesses. So they've got the hotel, uh, they've got a cultural centre up and running, they've got different local experiences. Take the time, go visit, you know, get to learn one another, you know. Uh, you can go up to Stony Nakoda, or you can go up near Canmo with Mohican Trails. I mean, it's those specific things we do as families and friends where we learn and we, we add that as part of our experiences. And, and we just, you know, I mean, even a Calgary residents don't want to stay overnight at the Grey Eagle. I mean, there's a beautiful restaurant there. If you're going out for dinner, go have dinner at Little Chief Restaurant in the hotel. You know, these are all ways that we 
learn that we we eat the food we we get to know the facilities we get to know the communities and there's many other like moonstone creations is another beautiful art gallery in calgary and there's other indigenous businesses there that you know support local artists these are the things that i think are really the calls to action we would like to see from an indigenous tourism perspective and these indigenous, uh, you know, destinations and attractions that you mentioned, Keith, they're not just uh, confined to one part of the year, right? You can uh, check out things year-round depending on the facility, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, indigenous culture is not only a tourism destination from traditionally May to, to September. Most of our businesses are open 12 months a year. We do have some seasonal, but for the large part, if you go to destinationindigenous.ca, that's our national consumer platform, uh, we also have Indigenous Tourism Alberta, who does a great job on the ground. They're building and supporting businesses. So Indigenous Tourism Alberta has got an amazing site. But many of these, there's hundreds of businesses throughout Alberta that are open all year round. And I think we just want people to continue exploring. We know that it's very, it is on the consciousness of most Albertans today. Absolutely. Exploring, learning, and continuing the conversation. Thanks so much for joining us, Keith. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, I really am so thankful to the media for continuing to make this such an important conversation. Thank you so much. We'll send people to indigenoustourismalberta.ca and destinationindigenous.ca. That was Keith Henry. He's the president and CEO of the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. Atco's Blue Flame Kitchen has been a trusted name in Alberta for more than 95 years. Well, they may have been around a long time, but they are definitely not behind the times. Introducing BFK Express, a way to get healthy, convenient, delicious, and local sourced meals sent right to your doorstep. Uh, joining us with details, J.P. Garretson, Manager of Culinary Programs at Blue Flame Kitchen. Hi, J.P. Great to talk to you again. You too. Good morning, Sue. How are you today? Excellent. Thanks. It's been a while since we chatted. Obviously, I know now why. You've been busy creating something called BFK Express. I just had for breakfast the chicken katsu. Why don't you tell us what this is all about? Yeah, for sure. So chicken katsu is a great breakfast. Um, we started a BFK Express line um, during the pandemic. We were doing um, meals. Obviously, our business changed dramatically. So um, we started out doing just groceries to people to help them out during the tough times in the early days of the pandemic. Um, and that blossomed into, it started out with groceries and then it turned into entrees and meals and meal kits and things that we could give to people. Um, and it's just ballooned from there. We had an opportunity um, to to start making things and we thought, what an amazing opportunity to get food to people who maybe can't come to us. So um, expanding our reach, getting into some local grocery stores, co-op, Blush Lane, uh, spud.ca, and it's it's just been fantastic. The frozen uh, meal market in the aisle is quite large in every grocery store, JP, but one of the things, I had the chance to try the macaroni and cheese with my kids, and boy, if you're going to do something, do it different. The quality, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Is, is that one of the main keys? Is You're not just going to blow these things out. You're going to get that kind of restaurant quality in a frozen meal? Yeah, we really wanted to focus on making chef food. Um, the Blue Flame Kitchen has been around, like you say, for 95 years, and we've always tried to be there for Albertans and make real food with real things. So um, our culinary background is in very much just cooking normal food like your grandma made uh, with real ingredients that you can pronounce and there's no weird dashes or numbers. So um, taking those recipes and figuring out how we could get them packaged and frozen and shipped around um, so that you can enjoy truthfully real homemade food exactly how your grandma would have made it 50 years ago or 100 years ago um, 
and be able to enjoy that at home quickly in your microwave. Yeah, I mean, as Andy said, there's elevated, you know, frozen food for sure. And I love the locally produced part, and it's prepped and packed right in your very own kitchen, right? Uh, it is, yeah. So we started, I was actually the delivery driver for quite a while after <laughs> we were <laughs> packaging. Um, and we quickly had to figure out some partners to help us move around. But yeah, it's all made right here in Calgary um, and shipped. So this is our home base and we really, really believe in Alberta and Calgary and, and our market. So um, being here to give back to the community and give them an amazing opportunity to enjoy some delicious food. All right, uh, I want to put you on the spot here, uh, JP, but I want you to run down the, the star-studded lineup of, of what exactly is available, and uh, do you have a favorite? So if you can break down the four. You may, we mentioned the katsu and the mac and cheese. If What else is available? Uh, we have a beautiful um, lasagna, um, regular lasagna, and a vegetarian lasagna as well, um, which are both, again, just fantastic, made with a bechamel sauce and a, um, the beefy bolognese sauce that goes in there, homemade tomato sauce, all those things. We don't make our own cheese, but just about everything else in there is good. Uh, the chicken katsu, and then we have a vegan gardener's pie as well, which is sort of like a shepherd's pie, um, but with sweet potatoes. And instead of the meaty bottom, we use lentils, which again, huge Western Canadian product. Um, so it's sort of a thick lentil stew on the bottom with some um, mashed sweet potatoes on top, and it's it's fantastic. They're called BFK Express, and as you mentioned, find them in some of our, our local grocery stores. The, the, honestly, so, so good. Thank you so much for coming up with something that, because Andy said, the, the frozen food aisle, it's full, but it's not all full of good food, and, and this definitely is. I want to switch gears on you, though, before we let you go and just ask you uh, what Blue Flame Kitchen has coming up for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, Thanksgiving. So, again, in the vein of helping people out, um, as a chef, I don't like cooking Thanksgiving dinner. That is a whole lot of shopping and cooking. So um, as part of my job, we've decided to do it here for you. So you can go to com, and we're offering complete Thanksgiving dinners um, that will drop in the trunk of your car ready to go. Um, the turkey breast comes raw, so you can cook that nice and fresh and beautiful at home, but um, it comes with everything, or you can order the parts individually. So potatoes, stuffing, we have two kinds of stuffing, uh, a couple different kinds of vegetables. There's a beautiful focaccia bread, uh, pies for desserts, coffee, uh, turkey thighs and drumsticks for the dark meat um, and it's all super simple just a couple of clicks there's no shopping no cleaning no cleanup nothing you just come you do a couple clicks we give you step-by-step uh, -step instructions to be able to throw it into your oven um, quick and easy and your thanksgiving will be exponentially better oh well, you're not kidding i want to ask you this because sue put me on to something i was not here because it was just before mm -hmm. i started and uh, you're talking about you know instructions explicit instructions on how to get things together can you break down how to do the stuffing in the waffle iron for us because <laughs> i've tried that at home and it's fantastic we all it still love this yeah, it is one of my favorite things in the world. Stuffing itself is outstanding. But if you have your stuffing for Thanksgiving this weekend or you're making stuffing, you can eat stuffing year-round. I'll preface this with that. Um, so take your stuffing, uh, make it, and then let it sit in your fridge overnight so it sort of absorbs. Um, then you can mix in, just like you're going to make French toast, some eggs and some cream, whip that up on the side, and mix your stuffing in with the eggs and cream so it's sort of a loose, sticky kind of chunky pancake mix looking mix and you can put that right into your waffle iron um, and make waffles out of it so it's going to get crispy and chunky on the outside all those little squares hold gravy perfectly um, and it's an easy way before thanksgiving to be able to serve thanksgiving dinner with stuffing that'll sit on the bottom of the plate and you can build your plate um, or with leftovers the day after it makes the absolute best turkey sandwich you're ever going to eat in your whole life jp you changed my life five years ago with that <laughs> that very recipe thank you so much for joining us today and uh thanks and much success with the new bfk express great meals appreciate your time 
Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Take Thanks. Care. You too. J.P. Garrettson, manager of culinary programs at Blue Flame Kitchen. You can go to atcoblueflamekitchen.com. 